0: You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? These are no longer the good old days, Lord Kiro. You may both end up regretting this conversation. Great Maker, you're here.
1: now you can go to hell and you can kiss my pouch hello and welcome to who are you it's a babylon five watchcast by a couple of internet strangers who are getting to know each other while bonding over the show babylon five i'm Jafar, and i'm laura and today laura i get to ask you who are you
0: who are you who are you do you know who i am I I am much more prepared this time than last episode. That's what I am. Thumbs up. Yeah, I thought about it because, you know, after you've done 10 episodes, you can't remember what you've talked about, what you said. And yeah, definitely had that moment this week. But I don't think that I have told you about. I mean, we've mentioned that I am an accountant, but I haven't told Mm -hmm. you about why I am an accountant. Yeah. Yeah. So. My journey into the world of accountancy started when I was in my master's of music program. And Mm -hmm. I got about three semesters into that and realized, oh, no, I'm not confident in my ability to not starve with this degree. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Because, you know, music's very highly competitive. There's lots Mm -hmm. of talent out there, but talent isn't actually always enough to make it. So. I wasn't confident in my ability to have the other things like grit and the the networking and the social stuff that comes with being a professional working musician. So I was working as a bank teller and thought, you know, well, I like money. I like helping mm-hmm. people with money. And who knows about money? Accountants know about money. Okay, I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> And so I walked literally from the music school at my university over to the business school and said, (laughs) hey, I think I want to change and I want to get a bachelor's of accounting. Yeah. And they said, well, you don't want a bachelor's of accounting because you already have a bachelor's and we'll just get you some prerequisites and you'll do a master's. Okay. And (laughs) I was like, okay. Whatever you say. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's like most things that happened to me that that are really influential on my life. It was by accident. We could also give you scholarship money for a master's. We can't give you scholarship money when you already have a bachelor's for another bachelor's. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I was trying to be smart about money.
1: I'm sure they appreciated that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Test number one. Pass. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, it was, it was just a, a practical decision at first, and I got into it just thinking, I want to be able to survive and I want to be able to do things on my own and not depend on anybody else. Yeah. Right. But a few semesters in, you know, maybe one or two, I got to the course in auditing and you think you most people hear the word audit and they glaze over a little bit. Oh, sorry. What was that? <laughs> Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to auditing and we we started out with the fundamentals of why do we do auditing? Mm -hmm. And the idea is that it's all about information, right? Accounting is all about information. It's not even about necessarily just money. It's about information. It's about getting information about a business to the people who need to use it in a way that they can understand. So, the people who need to use information about a business might be their bankers, it might be their shareholders, other creditors, and you're trying to get that information to them in a way that is standardized. So, you can compare my information to someone else's information, and you're trying to get it in a way that makes sense to the user. Well, in auditing, you're also adding this layer that the information you know, coming from the business to the user needs to be verified in some way. Yeah. Because the user needs to know that they can trust it, right? Mm -hmm. And there's this concept of materiality. And that that was what really resonated with me very deeply. This idea that information is material or important, if you will, Mm -hmm. if it is something that would change my mind about a decision about this business. Okay. So it's not a dollar amount necessarily. You you put a dollar amount on it, but it's not always just a dollar amount. So if I'm a user looking at information and there is something in this business, whether that's a transaction that was booked incorrectly, recorded on the financial statements incorrectly or um, an economic situation going on in the company. If that is not stated, is it important enough to change my decision about what I'm doing with this company? Like if I'm a banker, do I want to re-engage their loan? If I knew this information, yeah, that's material information. And it, it, it's weird because it resonated with me so deeply because of a personal situation where I I had been in a relationship with someone Who didn't tell me information Mm -hmm. that if I had known that information, it might have changed some decisions that I made relating to this person. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is really important. What we do is really important (laughs) (laughs) because people are making decisions and making deals and, and economic events based on information. And if that information is not all there, or if it's not all right, or if it's not all understandable. Things can go crazy. And of course, all of this decisions that I was making for myself personally happened in 2009, 2010. <laughs> so, oh, something going on then, economically speaking? You know, maybe just a little bit. Uh, oh, okay. The, I'll have to Google it. Yeah. Well, you can start with um, Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and then just go from there. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, that all happened in 2008. But it, it was, you know, very formative for me because I'm coming out of my undergraduate into all of this and realizing there is so much I don't understand because mm-hmm. I've never been taught these things. I, did, I just did four years of school and I don't understand any of this that's happening around me, you know, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to understand it. And that's part of why I went and got the accounting degree. And I, I would say that, you know, I may be like a quarter of the way to understanding all of that from the financial <laughs> crisis. <laughs> but I'm a yeah. quarter of bit closer than I was before. It was it was sort of a decision I made just like out of necessity and practicality. But mm-hmm. then when I got to into my courses, I realized, oh, wait, I love this and I'm passionate about this. And I just got really lucky. I don't you know, I know some people who never have that moment. And it's, yeah, you know, I, I just got lucky that I got to have it and that I found a career that means so much to me.
1: Yeah. And it's, that's awesome. It's also like very introspective for me because I have kind of a similar story. Yeah. Stranger on the internet. I originally was going to go to college for music as well. Mm-hmm. And then like I was applying for schools with the intention of going for music. So I had gotten a music scholarship offer from a couple of places, including a full ride for music at a school that I ended up not going to because I didn't want to do music. But, you know, I was looking at going to Texas A&M mm. because I played euphonium in symphonic band <laughs> and yeah. it's like, okay, well, one of the best euphonium in the players in the world is such instructor there. That's where I want to go, you know, and doing the competitive thing. And then when it came time to actually pick a college, you know, like, and settle past the application process and everything, I'm like. I don't want to walk in the back door of restaurants. I want to walk in the front door,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: that same yeah. thing. I want a career that's going to be able to support the lifestyle that I want to have. I don't want to have to worry about money and all the things that professional musicians have to worry about. Because I, once again, I didn't feel like I had those things like that, like that determination. I might have had, mm-hmm. and honestly, probably not talented enough to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> I was good, you know, but I wasn't great.
0: Yeah, I want to believe that I was, but... Mm. Let's be real. Yeah.
1: Yeah, If we're being perfectly honest, probably not. So I never went for my music audition for Texas A&M. You know, I canceled all that stuff and ended up picking a different school and deciding I'm going to do computers because computers is a hobby. Yeah. And I get there and I have this terrible experience with the computers department where I went to school. I won't get into any of that, but there's the miserable experience of the professor turned me Mm -hmm. off to the entire idea of it. And then I found economics.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Yeah. Because I was considering psychology. Because one of the things I was really getting into was why groups of people do things. Right.
0: Which and is actually so, all of economics is. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, no. And that's exactly why I chose economics. Mm-hmm. Is because I was like, oh, maybe we'll get into psychology and like, you know, why do people do things? Why why do people make these decisions and stuff? And I took a required economics or I had to take prereqs, right? For like the, be the well-rounded student, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, okay, well, I will have to take the science lab class. And I hate science lab. You know, it's like, we have already done all of the experiments that I'm going to do in here. This is boring. I can just Google it. What's the point? I'm not going to come up with anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was one that was an economics lab and I'm all like, that sounds weird. We'll take that course on a lark.
0: I like the weird thing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And that's exactly it. It was a ethical way to study groups of people without telling you them that you're studying them. Yeah,
0: that's the trick. In economics.
1: It. It's economics. Yeah. It's the it's
0: that one principle that you change the outcome by measuring it.
1: <laughs> exactly, which is a huge thing. And right. so you, it's very hard to ethically study groups of people without telling them that they're studying them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you can do that with economics because you're talking about purchasing decisions. You're talking about market patterns, you're talking about things where you don't even have to look into an individual's life and you're looking at much larger patterns and much larger groups of data. Mm-hmm. And that's what brought me to economics. It's just a funny little coincidence between yeah. us. Yeah. It, well, some might say it is a sign, uh, <laughs> much like the episode we have Ooh. ahead of us, Ooh, Signs Importance, mm-hmm. season one, episode Spooky. 13. Look yes. at that Segway.
0: It was very good. Congrats. Right.
1: I have a handful of things to talk about for this episode. Yeah. And I didn't know that we were going to be talking about our college experiences, but one oh. of the things I found out about my research in this episode was I want to talk a little bit about JMS's college experience.
0: Oh, okay. So you did some deep, deep divey research. Not
1: really. Oh, okay. I kind of ended All up right. on this path. Okay. Um, because I was reading about stuff. There's a handful of things about this episode that make it kind of noteworthy. One, the name of the season is also the name of this episode. Mm-hmm. And that is a trend that continues throughout the rest of Babylon 5. Every season has a name. These names were decided upon well in advance. And every episode has a, shares that name. It's kind of like the, um, a, sell, a titled track on an album. Yeah. So there's that, which is kind of like a, hey, this is an important episode. Before you even get into it, it's our first appearance of Mr. Morden, not counting the pilot.
0: And I just want to hop in and say, I forgot most of this episode and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that Morden showed up in season one. So that was a delight. I, I squealed when he came on screen.
1: And I did a little bit more research. We talked about this in the pilot and I didn't do the research then, but I did the research now, JMS has gone on record as no commenting. If the character in CNC and the pilot who's played by the same actor (gasps) is or isn't Mr. Morton, he's been asked directly and refused. refused. Mm. Yep. So that's fun.
0: (laughs) So your theory could very well stand.
1: Yeah. We also get the first appearance of Lieutenant David Corbin.
0: Yes. I caught Corbin and I told my husband, I was like, wow, he's going to be in the series for a bit.
1: Yeah, he's around. He doesn't have a name until season three. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And he's he's got a terrible mullet in this episode.
0: Yeah, I was like, his hair gets shorter, though, I think. But he's a guy who's around a ton. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I was reading about these two characters and their first appearances. And I found some stuff about Ed Wasser, uh, which is the actor who plays Mr. Mm Morden. And uh, uh, JMS has compared him to Rod Sterling.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Which from Twilight Zone. I,
1: I totally see that vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also led to some reading about more of the myth of the show in general, and particularly his interactions with people and the shadows, because this is our first really named experience with the shadows is this episode.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And if you if your plan is to watch the episode after listener, I will say this is probably a bad one to do that with, uh, because <laughs> this is kind of like the twist at the end of the episode. And I'm talking about it before we even get to it. Yeah. But there's something going on with Mister Morden. We don't really know what it is, but there's something with the shadows, and they're constantly referred to that. Mm-hmm. And the shadows, I've learned in my research from this, are named after the uh, Jungian notion of the shadow, which is the part of the mind that is all desire and is destructive.
0: Oh, interesting! Very philosophical. Because
1: JMS has a degree in psychology.
0: Okay, all right. That's
1: what he went to. That's what he got his undergrad in.
0: Well, yeah, you really feel it in this show. You do. Yeah.
1: I'm going to say some of this stuff wrong because I've never heard these terms before. That's uh, fine. But apparently the asking what do you want and who are you are synonym games used in group psychotherapy. Okay. And so that's, you, you keep asking, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Like oh, it's man. a game like that.
0: I was going to say. to come say... up with
1: different answers and you do the same with who are you.
0: That that would drive me. This happened several times in the episode, right? It we does. Repeated, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? That would drive me fucking bonkers. I would have a very like <laughs> Jakar reaction to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so that is where that comes from, is it's a group psychotherapy exercise that he learned about in undergrad. Huh. That we have been conducting on each other at the beginning
0: of this podcast for months. <laughs> We've been giving each other free psychotherapy. Yay! Oh, yay! We should wait to develop an invoice and bill each other's. interest. <laughs> like I've met my copay for the year. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, me too. Um, so,
1: <laughs> anyways, so that was a little bit before we get into it, uh, but we can go ahead and get into this episode. We open up on Ivanova getting woken up and arguing with Alexa.
0: Yeah, this this computer voice is no Major Barrett friends. Direction unclear. Please repeat request.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is not. Um, yep. She doesn't appear well rested, and Sinclair asks if she's having trouble sleeping. Sleeping isn't the issue; it's waking up. Big mood. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Same Heal girl. That, Ivana, right. And the raiders take out a Star Fury, and then we go to theme.
0: Yeah, and the music stinger ended the theme. Guys, so overzealous,
1: (laughs) right? There's actually a a little bit with the music in this episode. There's a
0: lot more. Like I noticed a pump up in the music. I think we noticed it in the last episode too. But it's yeah, we're still there's a composer
1: working on the series at this point, Mm -hmm. making new music for each episode.
0: Yeah, you feel it from the theme. We go straight to an outside shot of a transport and then a mysterious lone passenger who is disembarking, and it's Mm -hmm. Mister Morton.
1: Yep. We don't get his name here.
0: Nope.
1: And they note that his codes are valid, but they're old. It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. He's just, he just explains that he's been out exploring on the rim of known space. And that's why he <laughs> hasn't checked in in a while. Yeah. He's like, oh, you find anything interesting
0: out there? Yes. And then he walks away just, Peace. with his creepy motherfucking smile.
1: We cut to Garibaldi, Ivanova and Sinclair talking about the increased frequency of the radar attacks. Mm-hmm. And there's something with the timing that's off because they should have been out there for another four hours to get to the nearest jump gate. Right. But they made it in less than two somehow.
0: Yeah, they're moving in and out too fast. So we put so Delta we put Wing on, stand on standby. We put some fighters on standby.
1: And uh, Sinclair asks for all of the manifests for incoming cargo ships to try and guess where the next attack will be
0: hmm He's looking for valuable stuff that they might want.
1: hmm And nothing valuable will be coming to the station in short measure, I'm sure.
0: No, not at what all. possibly. But he also uh, asks Garibaldi to stay behind. He does. Because he wants to talk, finally.
1: Yep. And he talks about how he's begun to put together his experience from the Battle of the Line and goes over everything with there. Garibaldi agrees to look into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we cut to Lando buying the eye. Yeah. The oldest piece of Centauri nobility that's been lost for a hundred years since the Battle of Nishak.
0: I think we got really shortchanged on this this bounty hunter or whatever this person is who retrieved the eye. Yeah. Because Lando says, I'd really like to know where you got it or how you got it. And he says, No, you wouldn't. And he just leaves. And that's all we get of this yep. crazy space bounty hunter.
1: At first, like looking back at this episode, remembering it, I was surprised that wasn't Mr. Morden. Uh-huh. I know I mean, we know why later in the episode. Right. But it was interesting that yeah, I th- do think there could be a lot more with this guy. I'd mm-hmm. be interested to watch that show.
0: Yeah, we need we need a little more of that. You know, we get a lot of the seedy underbelly in Babylon 5 that you don't see in other sci-fi shows. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this market, this um bounty hunting profession could come up a little more in the reboot yeah well i
1: mean there's a bit more of it in i think it's season five
0: which i don't think i've watched all of i will be honest so.
1: okay i won't say anything then because it's also <laughs> spoilies so yeah Lando walks away and we see mr morden listening in then cut to uh jakar and Lando waiting for a lift with some random human caught between them. Oh
0: my God, I felt so sorry for this man. This was such a, a real scene. Like I can, yeah. I can feel what it would like to be, or what it would be like to be this man.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going back and forth at each other with him just like right in between them. And he's like trying to not be involved in this in any way, but he's kind of <laughs> stuck there. The lift opens and he dodges in real quick. And just slams that close button as fast as he can.
0: Yeah. The the source of contention is there's a famine on Narn. Mm-hmm. And Londo is poking at Jakar, telling him basically, you know, you complained about all these things we did to you. And now you're doing your own things to yourselves. And he says nasty things about the great Narn war machine. And he gets very Ebenezer Scrooge and tells him that he should look at the famine as a blessing because it will decrease the surplus population. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very nasty. Very mm-hmm.
1: nasty. Sinclair, we finishes giving Gariboli the rundown about being captured, seeing Delenn and then being released. Mm-hmm. Sinclair is patient for news and notes that they both, mo- that they both may end up regretting this conversation. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then we cut to what is the first in a series of Mr. Morden interacting with the ambassadors.
0: Yes. And asking question number two in the show, we've had, Mm -hmm. who are you several times and now we get, what do you want? Mm -hmm. I I like Jakar's initial responses to this about, well, what do I want for dinner?
1: Yeah. (laughs) What am I going to do this evening?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And he wants Mr. Morden to leave. So he smiles and gets up and goes to leave. Wait, he
0: gets honest.
1: He does. You know, he says the Centauri stripped his world. He wants justice. He wants to suckle the marrow from their bones and grind their skulls to powder. Yeah. He wants to tear down their cities, blacken their sky, and sow their ground with salt. He wants to completely and utterly erase them. And then Morden's like, oh, and then what? (laughs) He's just like, keep the homeworld safe. Just don't give away the homeworld.
0: Yeah. Bye. This is so strange. So strange. Uh, You know, I know that we're doing this on TV, so we've got to make it quick, right? But I would hope that it is not that easy to get a seasoned diplomat to be brutally honest about destroying a whole civilization. (laughs) (laughs) I would, I would hope, but you never know.
1: After this, we go to Space TSA, Mm -hmm. where Lord Kiro and his aunt Ladira, the seer of their house, arrive. Now, Lord Kiro, Grant Graham, I clocked Uh, him initially, Gary Graham, sorry, as Quinn from Voyager.
0: Yes, I I didn't clock him from Voyager. I just thought, I know this person. I know this voice. I know Mm -hmm. something about this. I was really disappointed that his voice, that he didn't attempt some sort of accent. Considering Londo was yeah. so heavily accented, mm-hmm. but I definitely was like, "I know who this is," so I had to get to the Google.
1: And what did you, what did your IMDb search tell you? Did you did you find anything else fun in there? I did.
0: I did not. Uh, there was nothing else that I recognized besides Voyager.
1: You should have scrolled down farther. Oh, okay. Because Mr. Graham here is none other than Bud Oliver, aka Bud the Chud. Oh no! In Chud Two. But the Chud. (laughs) You're the most hideous fucking Chud I've ever met. Check your basement (laughs) and your bathroom.
0: I'm Captain Bosch. Yeah, I told you that movie was worth watching for, you know, reasons. (laughs) No. (laughs) It all comes back to Chud.
1: It does not. I've had (laughs) both our number one fan, Ben, Mm -hmm. and my girlfriend, Beth, have both been all like, so when we do in Chud 2. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm all like, we're not, <laughs> it's not happening.
0: Mm, I don't know. I, I might be in the corner on that. It. We yeah. put it
1: on our stream. If they want to record it, I'll put it on our stream. That would they be... can do the episode.
0: Yes. Delightful. Go for <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> Anyways, Ladira has a vision for seeing the destruction of the station. And Kara's just like, yeah, whatever. She's been wrong. She said, I was going to get killed by shadows.
0: <laughs> which, dude, uh, dude, you're still alive. There's still time. That doesn't mean she's wrong. It just means it hasn't <laughs> happened yet, you dingus. <laughs>
1: right. The thing that happens in my brain, whenever there's any, like, foreshadowing that's really obvious, but the characters are dismisses of it initially, uh-huh. happened. Which is, in my brain, I transport myself to Star Trek II, the Wrath of uh-huh. And check off down on the planet when he's in the like cargo container. Oh, yeah. And he sees the belt buckle. Oh, no. Plays
0: out my brain
1: every time something like this happens in media, Mm -hmm. and it 100% happened here.
0: Nice. Nice. I just want to also say that I'm a little disappointed that we have met two Centauri women so far in this this season in this show you know we know londo has wives but i don't think they've been named named yet he might have given yeah. them nicknames but they've not been named named but our two centauri women that we've met in this whole show are adira and lady ladira
1: yeah that was mm. yeah <laughs> bit lazy there
0: mm-hmm. need, a, need a better copy paste function
1: <laughs> i already used that one damn just put Nell in front of it. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yes, Kiro's <laughs> here for the eye.
1: Yep. And Londo takes him there, and they are followed. Dun, dun, dun. And we cut to our second in the series, uh, Delenn playing the Cones of Dunshire, while Mr. Morden asks her <laughs> the same. Good reference love it (laughs) (laughs) i should have written down the time but it's straight up it's there's cones all over it's a multi-faceted board it looked like the cones of dunshire to me i love it i love it you forgot about the essence of the game it's about the cones
0: (laughs) he asked her the question but he doesn't get an answer out of her yeah she's she's puzzled and then all of a sudden her forehead symbol flares up and she immediately chastises and believe and
1: yeah she looks at him and he's like blanketed in shadows
0: yeah and she says they're here after he's gone so she seems Mm -hmm. to know what at least have an inkling of what is up
1: so we've seen this triangle once before Mm -hmm. and it is on her head when she's standing with the Grey Council in a sky full, the sky full of stars. Right. And uh, they're interrogating Sinclair.
0: Right. So this seems to be something related to her Grey Council mess.
1: So I was like,
0: those things don't seem necessarily related.
1: So I did some research on what JMS had to say about it. And I guess in the DVD commentary of this episode, he notes that it's an implant the Grey Council gets. Oh, okay. And he implies that it's to warn them of a shadow presence.
0: Wow. Okay. But
1: doesn't really specify that's exactly what it's for. Because, um, yeah,
0: it doesn't make sense why it would be there unless it also is, you know, flares up in the presence of the, the whole council or something. But why it would yeah. be there in, a, in the Sky Full of Stars episode.
1: Yeah. I read some stuff from, like, people speculating on web forums, like, 20 years ago Yeah, um, about it. That was all like, well, maybe it's just, like, your great council ID card. Yeah. Sure. Um, And it happens to trigger around shadows. I read something about it being possibly shadow or Vorlons.
0: Mm, Okay. Flaring up. Or maybe uh, first ones
1: even. Or just first ones in general. Yeah. Because of something else in that scene with Sinclair Uh that's there. That's kind of spoilery for the season finale of season one. So I won't talk about it. Yep. Right now. (laughs) But if I remember to bring it up later, I will.
0: Oh yeah. I'll remind you.
1: But I think. This is also one of the last times that triangle shows up. So I think it's just abandoned after this. Yeah, it's it's
0: a little. It's a bit not, much. Yeah.
1: We cut back to Kiro and Londo, who talk about how to best present the eye to their people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Kiro, Kiro gets a little
0: treasonous.
1: He does. You know, the emperor hasn't been seen in over a year. The Senate is losing credibility. You know, this is my family's artifact. Why shouldn't I be emperor? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Just, just throwing it out there, just test the waters, dipping my feet in. Why shouldn't I be emperor? He's getting real vibes of like JFK is gonna come back and appear and declare me emperor.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> not wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Lando's like, because it's a death sentence and the emperor will have you killed immediately, dumbass. Yeah, Londo's like, not
0: ready for treason
1: mm, yet. Not yet. So he uh, leaves the eye with Londo overnight to stop himself from doing something foolish.
0: Always a good thing to say.
1: <laughs> and Ladira has another vision of B5 being attacked and destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. A single shuttle makes it out. Yeah. Which is an important, because that comes up a number of times.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Uh, the single shuttle escaping Babylon 5 is an important detail, listener, to pay attention to.
0: I liked that in these visions, we're not hearing main cast voices. You Mm -hmm. know, we're not hearing Ivanova calling the evacuation or Sinclair calling the evacuation or, you know, we're not hearing them. So it's very ambiguous about when. Mm -hmm. Because as we've already heard from Kiro, Ladira has visions. Yes, they are... Not necessarily of immediate things. It's true. So
1: that is a very crucial detail. Mm -hmm. So the Raiders attack again, and Ivanova launches Delta wing to handle it. Sneaky dude, one watching Alondo does something shady. And then we go that from there to commercial. And when we come back, Morden dodges a recently returned kosh by hiding in some shadows.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Weird. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the star furies approach the raiders lando tells kiro he has arranged for some additional escort on his way home lando leaves his quarters with the eye while mr morden approaches him in the hallway there's a lot of really quick kind of cuts yes to move a handful of things very fast very swiftly here and then we get lando and morden in the lift
0: and uh, lando impatiently asks
1: what do you want very so fun gross.
0: So creepy. Um,
1: it's, it's important, though. It's important mm-hmm. that Londo asked Mr. Morden that question yeah. because of the influence of that question, where that question comes from, yeah. and it's showing influence that happens before the series starts.
0: Yeah. And Morden seems absolutely delighted to be asked. Yeah.
1: He goes on a whole rant about how you know, he wants the glory days
0: mm-hmm. of the
1: old republic.
0: I've served 36 years in the Senate. This will be... St- the most important vote I've ever cast.
1: Yeah. That's all you need.
0: <laughs> it's the same shit you knew we wanted. <laughs> right. He wants the past. Yeah. Ask yeah. the question.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, as,
0: as Londo, Kiro, and Ladira get together and head for the ship, they're accosted by this, you know, the shifty guy and his hooligans. Mm-hmm. And they, they declare that they're there for the eye. Londo tries to play dumb, but they all get taken hostage. And S- then we cut to Sinclair because we're still moving at a pretty rapid pace. And Sinclair yeah. is looking at ship manifests and he realizes that this ship that ivanova has gone off to rescue doesn't have anything. They don't have anything important. Yeah, and some hydroponic from, gear. From that, he deduces that the Centauri ship was the real target.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He heads out to try to stop Londo, but the attackers threaten everyone and wind up just taking Kiro away the whole mm-hmm. time. Lady Ladira is also muttering about shadows.
1: Yeah, they take Kira away and she's like, the shadows have come for him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sinclair is confident that they have the Raiders. When a jump point opens and a carrier flies out with a bunch of the Raiders, triangle fighters launching off of it. Mm-hmm. They've got almost 20 fighters, which is about as much as we've seen as Babylon 5 having. Yeah. And it really does a lot to see like all these fighters launched. Really, sh- this is a credible threat to the station right now.
0: Yeah, and half of Babylon 5's fighters, I say half, maybe half, have just yeah. gone off with Ivanova.
1: <laughs> yeah, if there's a Bravo and Charlie wing, uh, that we've never seen them launch and they're not a right. part of this fight. Right. We know about Alpha wing and Delta wing right now. And Delta right. wing is the new fighters that got dropped off by the president a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> they're the good ones. <laughs> the good ones, yeah. Uh, inside the station, alarms are going off. Ladira and Londo speak. Shelter doesn't matter. The shadows have come.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, While the fight outside is going on, Kosh encounters Morden and says, they are not for you. And tells him he needs to leave immediately.
0: Yeah. But Uh, we see that he doesn't.
1: (laughs) He does not. Uh, The Centauri shuttle docks with the Raiders and Sinclair pulls off a tactical maneuver pincing the raiders between Alpha Wing while Delta Wing jumps from back out of the gate and the station's defense grid, destroying almost all of the raiders,
0: the fighters. But the command and control ship can make its own jump point, Mm -hmm. so they do escape.
1: Back in Sinclair's office, they go over the damage. They lost two ships, one pilot, miscellaneous injuries and station damage, and Kasha's encounter Ah. suit was damaged during the fight. Say what? Say what? Say what
0: Say what? Say Say What? what? I didn't clock this until my third watch, because I did watch this one three times. And I, mm-hmm. then I was wondering, what happened to Kosh's encounter suit? Was it something with Morden? Like is there something we got yeah. away from? What yeah, you... no, they fight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That that's the implication is that they right? fight. And
0: they crazy. fight and
1: Kosh walks away injured. And Mr. Morton appears to be fine when we see him later in the episode.
0: And he didn't leave. <laughs> yeah.
1: And he didn't leave. Exactly. Yeah. Not yet.
0: I, d- I didn't. That's such a small, small detail that if you have, you know, ADD brain like me, uh, you, you <laughs> don't get it until you see the, the episode for the third time.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a good detail.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Lando and Ladira arrive in Sinclair's office. He wants to know why they didn't declare the eye and hence provoking an attack on the station. And then we cut to the Raider's carrier where Kiro thanks them for their convincing performance mm. and they throw him at the brig.
0: Yeah. They turn on oh. him real quick.
1: Yeah. It's all like, listen, we're not going to take on the Centauri government with one carrier and no fighters. Are you crazy? Yeah. We're playing. Oh, your government's you. paying a ransom for you. So cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You thought we were helping, but we're playing you, sir.
1: Mhm. And then an unknown ship shows up and blows up the raider carrier in a single shot.
0: Mhm. So, dun, dun, dun. my son watched this episode with us and he loves all things creepy and he was just absolutely over the moon. What are those? Yeah. He enjoyed Digging that battle crap. Yeah, he's he's going to be a shadow kid. It's fine. It's really fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be into Babylon 5 now, just looking for another shadow ship. So Yeah. Good for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> At that moment, when the ship gets blown up, it cuts to Ladera, feeling this in Sinclair's office, and she drops her mug and it breaks. Yeah. And the implication is that the shadows have killed Kiro. Yeah. You know, her prediction came true.
0: They will, probably will not understand it. Ever. But she does.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Lando tells us his career is over from the embarrassment of losing the eye. He would need a miracle. And just then, Mr. Morden shows up with the eye. Yeah,
0: he's got a gift. Yep.
1: Lando's like, oh, let me buy you a drink. Let me buy you a fleet of drinks. How can I repay you? Yeah. And Mr. Morden says they will find him when it's time.
0: That's not ominous at all.
1: Nope. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Not creepy at all.
1: <laughs> and then we get to is this actually the moment you were gonna have me scrub to? Yes. When you were talking about earlier, because I also put the timestamp for this. Okay. They're peeing.
0: They're in the bathroom. bathroom <laughs> what a well, weird shot. If this you didn't just... clock it, it's it. 40 minutes 14 seconds, y'all. They are That's definitely the exact
1: timestamp I have written down.
0: <laughs> they are definitely in a bathroom. They are definitely at the urinal, and this bathroom definitely opens into the hallway because, like, and I'm not yeah. just saying all bathrooms open into a hallway, right? But there's no door, and there's definitely a window there. If you and see, they walk
1: past a sign that has the male symbol and an arrow pointing to where they just came out of, too.
0: Yeah, but the when you when they're when they're standing at the sink, I say sink because it's clearly a yeah uh, light some sort of uv or i don't know i'm just making some kind of other
1: sanitation yeah
0: yeah we wave our hands under it that is definitely a window i think i think they're trying to make us think that it's like the mirror or something but if you when they pan backwards you see that (laughs) it's an open window (laughs) (laughs) like i know it was something they did because of the limitations of the space and Mm-hmm. using a camera and stuff but it's like this is bonkers <laughs> <laughs> we just have a window into the men's bathroom
1: yep <laughs> and uh wall they're they're talking shopple in the bathroom which is mm-hmm. a no-no
0: yeah it's,
1: it's personal time but
0: <laughs> and I there's no space they're the sitting right next to each other aren't you supposed yeah to leave they space? are almost holding know.
1: hands there's no divider wall on that <laughs> urinal Also, Michael O'Hare apparently pees one handed and doesn't zip because he's just like one hand there. Right. And then
0: just he's like resting walks his away. hand, yeah, he's resting like he, the other hand on the top of the urinal thing, right? Oh my God, <laughs> this is, this is great. <laughs> this is the uh, high quality content that you come here for. <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking
1: and Lando, if he had claimed the eye on the manifest, they might've known what was going to happen. But after this, we get a little bit more important stuff, and we learn that the Mimbari did not uh, help finance Babylon Five. As long as they could help pick the commander of the station, they had right of refusal, and they refused every single person until they hit Sinclair.
0: Yeah, not ominous at all. Lots of not uh, ominous happening in this episode. Sorry
1: for the spoilers, like ten episodes ago, everyone. <laughs> We're sorry. Sorry.
0: Well, now you're all caught up.
1: You're all caught up. up. There we go. (laughs) Ladira notes her vision of the destruction of the station is still there. Mm -hmm. And she shares it with Sinclair and they see the shuttle just barely making it out.
0: And Sinclair does ask her if this is a possible future or if it's a definite future. And she does say, you know, these things are, are possible. So I got lots of Christmas Carol vibes out of this episode Mm -hmm. when we had you know scrooge earlier scrooge mcduck and now we've got sinclair begging does does this future set in stone like very classic literature vibes
1: yeah there's a lot of that in this for sure that's a good call out
0: and uh then we close out with some of that epic music i thought it was a good one despite we want
1: to we had had a a listener suggestion to start rating episodes on a scale of Babylon one to Babylon oh, five. Right.
0: I remember that. Yeah.
1: Did we yeah. want to start doing that?
0: that oh would be God. The time. What would I, what would I give this one? At first I got very hung up on some of the little things in this episode, but over the next two rewatches I did, I was like, no, this is pretty good. Like there's yeah. so much story that happens and so many things mm-hmm. that are going to be important and things that I didn't remember. That were important, I don't think this is the the best Babylon Five gets, in my opinion,
1: agree it's it, real good.
0: It is good, so I would probably give it Babylon four. I would also give it a Babylon four,
1: yeah, um, that's where I'm feeling on this for sure. It's a very important episode for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also very important to call it a Babylon four,
0: yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> But uh yeah, but you still said Lady Ladira, sir, so I can't give you a Babylon five for this.
1: <laughs> yeah. So next episode, season one, episode fourteen, by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. Sinclair's military career and the safety of Babylon Five are threatened when the loading dock workers violently demand improvements in their wages and working conditions. Call Rom. Call Will <laughs> Nugent. Workers of the world unite. The only thing you have to lose are your chains. We're doing it. It's a unionization episode that it's I thought union. we were getting like five episodes ago.
0: Yeah. Yep. And it's much earlier than, you know, obviously we're going to be making some parallels to the Quark's Bar episode. Bar Association.
1: If you have something to say to me, say it. Now get the hell out of our galaxy.
0: That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's much earlier in the show than it is. bar association is. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Always here for a union storyline.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one hurts in a couple of ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I will I will, sp- I, will sp- I have already watched it and I did feel too real, too real. Yeah, I literally
1: watched it right before we sat down. So yeah, yeah. same.
0: It'll be fun, but that's next week for y'all. Mm-hmm. so thank you to jeremy siegel for our intro and outro music and mm-hmm. to angry duck time machine for our cover art on our on your podcatchers and thank you to you all for listening and yeah. having a good time with us
1: yeah and if Great you want to throw us an email B 5 at com.
0: yeah we're always listening <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right have a good one internet see you all next right. week See you next week.